Philippians 2 verses 1 and 2 read, So, if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy Mm. by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Hello, and welcome back to Think This Way. This is the podcast of Faith Bible Church. I am Pastor Bryce. I have with me... Were you the one I've been... Were you the one we joked about? Do we call you Pastor Mike? Do we joke about that with you, or was that Andrew? That Andrew. Okay. Andrew doesn't like the title. Yeah, yeah, the Andrew like, doesn't. <laughs> an elder is an under-shepherd. It's a pastor. Can I call you Pastor Mike? You call me whatever you pastor want, Bryce. Mike. I asked Justin that as well. He said... Nobody does, but I can. So. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> I call myself a worship pastor, so yeah, that's true. I tried to get a discount to why it didn't work. So <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's a shame. That's They're a like, shame. we should think about adding that. I was like, yeah, you should. Uh, tell them you podcast too. That should yeah. that should count. I'm a podcasting worship pastor. <laughs> well, Mike, we have you on here today because, as you know, today we are recording our 100th episode oh, oh, oh 100 oh man wow nothing mess there's confetti oh. everywhere this is a crazy oh time my gosh, these balloons are overwhelming cakes this is amazing oh but this i thought wow 100 i don't remember recording 99 of these i mean man. that's surprising but i guess it's that's been amazing years. yeah well for you who've been persevering with us through all of these episodes congratulations we're now on episode 100, and it is interesting in God's providence that on episode 100, here we are with a corely focus on the local church, mm. and we're looking at attitudes, healthy attitudes of the local church toward the local church, and today is we are discussing church unity, and I've titled today's podcast, Of One Mind, from that Philippians 2 passage there. So is this providence? Because I know unity has been something we've thought, and actually, Mike, you especially, but all of us, have really thought about in the last few years. For sure. What church unity looks like. So here we are. And how to foster that better. Yeah. How to grow that deeper. So let's see if we learned anything, (laughs) if we have anything (laughs) to say. Has anything taken root? (laughs) (laughs) Maybe, maybe not. I thought as a little celebration, I was going to ask, Mike, Give us a behind the scenes here of your life. What is one thing about you that not many people know? I got a good one. Okay. This my middle son, we were just eating dinner last week, and Ewan looked over at me and he's like, I still can't believe that Batman was wearing your band's <laughs> t shirt. It's true. <laughs> there was an episode of Jimmy Kimmel Live where Robert Pattinson is wearing a Blaster the Rocket Man t shirt. And my son owns that T-shirt, and he's like, "I can't. I what? That doesn't make any sense to me." I was like, "It doesn't make any sense to me either, man." Blaster and the Rocket Man, right? Is that yeah, Blaster Rocket Boy and Blaster Rocket Man. We kind of okay. graduated a little bit oh, there. Oh, wow. same band. Will it become Blaster and the Rocket Senior? '90s Christian punk rock. So go look that up. <laughs> no, I, I think it's on Spotify. I would advise not doing that. <laughs> <laughs> I listened to it. I thought, "Wow, that's a genre uh, that's new to me. Well, <laughs> I never heard." I just want to say it was nice working with you, Bryce. I'm going to be running out of church here pretty soon. <laughs> no way. Very unique. I appreciate that. Okay. Well, here's one. Here's a little behind the scenes. I was oh, going to yeah. add. You got to give yeah. me one. You got to oh, give yeah, us yeah. one. Here's one. Here's one. Okay. Not everyone knows. You know this. Maybe several people know this. But I am still amazed by the fact that my wife was a national champion oh, yeah. baton twirler yeah. when she was nine years old. 
national. Like the but whole that's country. That's not a behind the scenes about you, though. That's about Michaela, which is that a, she married me. Can you believe yeah, that? That's true. <laughs> Michael A. had some good taste in that one, you know. That is national. Yeah. I mean, that means she's she is the best in the United in States. In this country, yeah. of every nine year old twirling. A baton. Probably, if there had been a world one, she would have won that title. She could have challenged. For she that. did do Junior Olympics. I mean, so she was the real deal. You know, she yeah. was. That's that's something. So there's a little something. All right. Now you got to give us one of yourself, though. One Come on, what's something nobody knows about you? Give us I a don't good have one. any good ones. Oh, you got to have some good ones. People probably know of my illustrious football career in high school. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> this is a great one. I did play football. No, no, that's not the right way to say it. I went to football practices <laughs> and games <laughs> and sat on the sideline for one year. Not even the full year, but most of one full year because my super, how do I put it, thin uh, track and country friend, Toby, who I ran into the other day. Mm. But Toby, we were in the locker room one day, and we're both incredibly thin. And he says to me, we should try out for the football team. <laughs> Why not? And I say, okay, if you're doing it. So I showed up, and he never came. <laughs> oh, no. But I stuck with it. That's good. So there you and go. And you made the team. I made the team. I, I played, actually, they played me in one game, put me in. I had no idea what I was doing because I didn't know a single play. I was just in there. And uh, so that was that. And then later, my coach came up to me. I quit the team. I felt bad about it. But it was because my coach came up to me sometime after, and he said, Bryce, I think we're going to start putting you in more of the games. And I, oh, said, no, I said, thanks. And then I quit. Oh, no. <laughs> I thought, I'll die. I don't know a single play. Nobody's taught me anything here. He saw the potential, <laughs> the diamond in the rough. So oh. I'm alive because that coach made me quit that no. team. That's why I live today. He knew what he was doing, man. <clears throat> yeah. You needed to trust your coach. <laughs> well, with all that said, <laughs> let's talk about church unity, how people with very different backgrounds coming from very unusual places mm. can be united in a local church. I thought I'd start by just noting that when we think of church unity, I think it's not uncommon for us to imagine that the early church, like what you find in the book of Acts even, is kind of the idyllic, like the ideal, perfect Pollyanna sense that, that that church had it going on. And certainly the Holy Spirit was working there. We almost think like it was perfect. Mm. But what's interesting is when you read the New Testament, uh, you find out it was about as imperfect as today, mm. you know, even though it was a unique period of time. And when you think of church unity, that's true as well. There are parts in the book of Acts where there's incredible unity. People just experience a great unity, especially in Jerusalem right at the beginning of the church. But from the beginning, even from those first decades of the church's life, there were serious divisions in the church. The one that's clearest in the New Testament is the divisions that were experienced by Gentiles, non-Jews, and Jews who had become Christians. Mm -hmm. Very different background. And they had to learn to get along. And you see their divisions existing in the church when Paul talks about meat sacrifice to idols mm. and how, and the reason is because those who were from non-Jewish backgrounds probably didn't have as much of an issue with that. They realized there's no idol. We were worshiping idols. It's not a real thing, whatever. And then those from Jewish backgrounds, I mean, any thought of an idol at all, you think, no, like, I don't want even to get anywhere close to it. It's a cultural thing as well. Mm. And so now you're Christians, and some of the Gentiles are like, well, you know, turns out those idols were fake. Here's some meat that was sacrificed to them. It's just meat. 
but the Jews are thinking like Peter when that has that vision. Oh, yeah, the, the sheep coming, coming down, yeah. and God Himself says, "Eat," yeah. and He's, "I can't do it. Yeah. I can't do it." So there's tension, and it has to do with what they're bringing, their baggage, if you will, their background, and that was a major source of contention. You see things like Romans 14, also in First Corinthians 8, where Paul is writing, quote, As for the one who is weak in faith, welcome him, but not to quarrel over opinions. One person, so here's a local church, here's one person over here, you know, John. One person, John, believes he may eat anything. John the Gentile. While the weak person... Jason the Jew over here eats only vegetables. Let not the one who eats despise the one who abstains, and let not the one who abstains pass judgment on the one who eats, for God has welcomed him. And again, that whole issue is it's meat sacrificed to idols, and they've got a different view on it. Mm-hmm. And what's interesting is one of them is technically wrong. So Jason the Jew here, maybe, um, who thinks it would be morally wrong to eat that meat he's wrong paul says we know an idol has no real existence so paul knew you can eat that it's fine so you would think john the gentile might say well you're wrong and it's my job to correct you make sure you're right because you're living in error but actually paul's counsel isn't that it says welcome him bear with him in this difference that he brings because of cultural reasons really so when paul says something like what we read, be in full accord and of one mind. He's not actually talking about think exactly the same way. I know we joke about how this podcast can sound a bit totalitarian. (laughs) Think this way. (laughs) It's not what we mean. That's from Philippians. It's from the Bible. But, um, But even when we say think this way, from Philippians, Paul's command that we be of one mind doesn't mean think exactly the same. Because in this case, he was comfortable with one person thinking, Mm -hmm. I shouldn't eat that meat. You don't have to eat the meat. You don't have to eat it. Yeah. It's not wrong. Your conscience, didn't Luther, going against conscience, neither safe nor right. That's exactly right. And he allowed there to be that and just said, welcome each other. So that's my little introduction here. Even the early church struggled with unity, as we do to this day. So one of my questions I have for you, Mike, is Mm. if unity in the church does not mean uniformity, like all thinking, dressing, feeling the same exactly, then what does unity mean? What does a united local church really look like? That's good. That's a good question. Um, Man, so you think about the unity of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And I'm just thinking in my mind, I was thinking this on the drive over here about unity and just the triune God. Could you imagine God the Father and Jesus having an argument? Mm -hmm. Like what would that argument even look like? You know, I can't even, you can't even fathom it, right? It would be impossible. You know, the whole thing that unites that triune God together is, is just this love, you know, the love of fellowship they have. Mm -hmm. And so us, you know, what is the greatest commandment to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And second, to love your neighbor as yourself. So unity, we have differences of opinion, Mm -hmm. but that doesn't drive us apart. I mean, sometimes it, it could be an issue like a serious issue, a doctrinal issue. That, that could be, you know, like, you know, I no longer believe in the triune God. Okay, well, that, that's an issue. But like most things, we make mountains out of that cause disunity in the church that aren't really issues. You know, yeah, you can have strong stances on them, but it doesn't mean that your strong stance needs to apply to this other person. 
And, and now you judge that person. I mean, we're so guilty of that. I'm guilty of that myself. Well, that almost perfectly leads into this next question I had for you, which is how do we distinguish between what you just said, mm-hmm. that there are some issues where we differ with someone in the church where we ought to confront them about it. Mm-hmm. So it matters. We've got to talk about it. Can't just be like, well, you believe what you believe, I believe. We've got to confront. How do we distinguish those confront issues from those bear with one another or to draw on Romans 14, welcome. Mm. Welcome someone, he says, but not to quarrel over opinions. Yeah. So there's one category of difference, but I'll welcome them and not quarrel over opinions. And over here is an issue I need to confront. How do we distinguish between those? Yeah, that's good. Um, you know, I guess the motivating factor in that first and second commandment is love the Lord and you're loving your neighbor. So if you're truly loving your neighbor and you see an issue and it's at such a, you know, I mean, such an issue that you have to confront it out of love, you know, not a genuine love, not like sometimes we can justify, well, I'm loving you. Tough love. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Now, this is, uh, man, I'm really concerned about you in this and I can't let this go. And it, you know, it, it hurts you to even bring this up to somebody because you know it's going to hurt them, but you feel like I have to do this and you're doing it out of a genuine love. That's a lot different than, you know, this other issue where you just, you can't let it go. I've got, you know I mean? I've got to confront this. I don't know if I'm making, is that making sense? Yeah, I think that makes some sense. Yeah. If you, if you can let it go, like a, like a sin against you, right? If you can let that go, then let it go. You know what I mean? It's done. Done with it. Forget about it. But if it's such a, such a spot where it's like you see it affecting other people too, then maybe it needs to be confronted. But You almost have to triage it and go, what's the severity in terms of how I'm responding to it? Mm-hmm. And I think that's a perfect way to think about it where you go. If this is something where someone's offended me, maybe they said something, maybe they shouldn't have really said it, but you can cover some things with love. In fact, you have to if you don't want to be confronting 24-7. Yeah. You know, that's just how it is. So you have to cover some things with love, and that seems like a good way to judge that partly is if someone has said something, done something, and I can forget about it by tomorrow, not because I'm afraid to confront them, but just it's not bothering me, it's not stuck, mm-hmm. then what you can, if it's something that happens repeatedly, you can in love for them kind of make a note of it and go like, that's something I should I should have a conversation with them not like this harsh rebukey thing, yeah. but a conversation because I don't know that they're aware that they keep doing that. You mm-hmm. know, like they're using the Lord's name in vain. That's that's pretty. But I think I don't think they're quite aware they've been doing that. Like I got to go talk to them about that. So it does seem like that's a piece of it. There's kind of another category here too. So that's like when someone's personally offended me. What about like doctrinal mm-hmm. difference? You know, again. Some doctrinal difference, we've got to bear with each other or we just can't exist together. Yeah. But at some point you don't and you've got to confront. What are your thoughts on how do we distinguish when I should make a big deal of something and when I should maybe let something go? That's, that's good because like some of my favorite teachers differ on doctrinal issues. You know, I have some guys that are really big into covenant theology and some that are really big into dispensational theology. Mm-hmm. 
And I love them both. And I learn from them both. And I grow from them both. And they're actually both from the same mind, right? Because they're wanting to increase people's love and joy and view of God. That's, that is their purpose, right? To honor God and to love Him and to please Him. Now, we dif- disagree on how they're dividing some scripture, but it's so, I mean, it's it's such a gray area that it's hard to even say, you mean, can I 100% say that this person's wrong on this or that? You probably could because you've been <laughs> trained. You, you have a it's master's a of divinity, right? <laughs> yeah. I am not hermeneutically trained, so. <laughs> but you are full of goodness and able to instruct. Yeah. Per what Paul said. Yeah. It, it, I think it was Al Mohler, and we may have talked about this on a previous podcast, who talked about theological triage. He probably borrowed it from someone. I don't know. But just where you have to categorize. I think he gives three levels. At least that's how I always present it. Three levels, you know, when there's a theological dif- disagreement in the church. Level one is heresy. That's someone denying the Trinity, denying the atonement, denying the resurrection. That's the big big issues, denying the authority of Scripture. Yeah, we should not be same mind. Yeah, we wouldn't be of the same mind. Yeah. So, so level one, so if you triage it and you go, this disagreement's level one. Mm-hmm. That's heresy. The New Testament's pretty clear about that. You confront that. You don't go like, should I confront that? You just <laughs> confront it, you yeah. know, and usually elders will be involved. You cannot you know? teach these things. Yeah, yeah. You can't do this. We've got to deal with this. And if they persist, they're out of the church. I mean, it's serious stuff. So no unity there with level one disagreement. Level three at the bottom are things that don't matter that much. I won't say they don't matter at all, but they're more like, what color you paint a room in the church, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's not like it doesn't matter. And so people have reason, like, if we really love visitors, we'll paint it this color. So it matters, but not that much. We're not going to be in heaven going, like, I'm so glad we painted it aqua green, or <laughs> that could have been bad. So it doesn't matter that. And those things you bear. You bear with people to the ends of the earth. Like, don't, don't fight somebody over that. It's okay. It might be an ugly color on the walls. <laughs> and that is frustrating. You'll be reminded every Sunday. But you got to bear with people on that. State your opinion, but then just bear with each other. The hardest ones are actually level two issues because those are ones that are, they matter. They're more doctrinal in nature, like covenantal, dispensational. Infant baptism. Infant baptism, credo baptism, believer's baptism. Uh, do you speak in tongues mm. or is that not for today? So those matter. Some of them matter so much that you really can't function in one local church believing both as a church. Like either you let people speak in tongues during the service or you don't, you know. And so you have to make those decisions. So those matter. There's a bit of a spectrum on how much they matter. And so those kind of fall in, like we may worship at different churches. Like if you really believe that God's calling you to speak in tongues on Sunday morning, we'll probably just have to worship at different churches. We're not, you're not a heretic. You know, we love each other, but are, we're not of one mind in the, set, in the local church sense. Mm-hmm. So those are tough. And it's usually the level two things that if you get real passionate, you can push them up and treat them like a level one thing and say someone's a heretic for being covenantal or being, you know, not agreeing with your exact way of presenting Calvinism or something, you know, and it can matter. It matters. But that's where you do have to be careful. So we've talked about some of those disagreement things. There's so much more we could say, but we won't because it's just a podcast. So just talk to us. We'll talk about it. Another dynamic in the local church 
is that we all offend each other. <laughs> I have offended Mike. Mike repeatedly. Offended me. <laughs> Just today, no. And but that's everybody. Yeah. You get close enough to anyone, then you will be offended and you will offend. So f- feelings get hurt sometimes many times. So if we're going to be of one mind, mm. you don't want to be coming into church dreading it and avoiding certain people because yeah. you got hurt feelings. But that can be really hard. So my question for you, Mike, is have you found anything helpful if you're really struggling with, let's say, hurt feelings? Mm. And you may have confronted the person. You may have talked about it, and it's just it persists, and you're just having a hard time. Have you found anything helpful in just softening your heart towards someone you really struggle with? Uh, for sure, yeah. I'm sure that other people could answer this better because I'm more of a defensive <laughs> it goes person. both ways. <laughs> yeah, that's right. But, but probably the, the number one thing, praying for that person, yeah. right? I know it sounds so generic and so like Christianese, but I mean, seriously, genuine praying for that person, like what is, you got to do some research you got to find out what are some things in their life, you know, that are, you can't like, you know, do a prayer where it's like, I want you to change them, you know, find out what they're actually dealing with and then actually sincerely pray for that. And I would also just try to, as much as you can, um, interject yourself more in, in their life. Right. Mm -hmm. So like, is it possible to join a small group with that person? Mm -hmm. Because that's a, a good way to find out and to have uh, just more involvement so where you can try to build some communication with that person. Um, if you get to a point where you do the small group and the prayer and things are going better, then, you know, Sunday conversation. Try to get one in every now and then. Or maybe even invite, if they're married, invite them over, them and the spouse, for a dinner or just whatever. Whatever you can to try to, I hate to use this word, but build a bridge with that person, right? <laughs> Understood correctly, yes. <laughs> yeah, that's great. And what you presented there really seems like it boils down to like press in. Yeah. And don't run away. I mean, you're, you have to, you have to be in the mindset that I'm in this family yeah. and I have to be, I have to be united with this yeah, person. Yeah. There's no like, uh, I don't have to be united with this person. Mm-hmm. No, you are, you, you are united with that person. There is no choice in that. You have to make it work. And everything in you, when you have awkward interactions or, which There's, I'm the king of. I'm, yeah, I'm like I mean, great. Hey, everybody, we yeah. all do it. So then you have those interactions and like, you know, it's not a massive, like they're committing some huge sin, church discipline, but it's just those interactions. They didn't go well. They said something, they, feelings are hurt. Maybe you resolved it, but feelings are still kind of, you're wrestling. And you know it, so you see them and their eyes kind of divert and your eyes divert and it's just <laughs> awkward. Yeah. And everything in you wants to just go like, well, that chapter of my life is closed. <laughs> you know, like... <laughs> you know, wave at them, but I'm not doing any. So what you said is very unnatural and hard and hard, uncomfortable, but press into those relationships almost more than your other relationships. Honestly, they take, they take more work, take more work. And you just go, I'm going to, I'm going to press in. I'm going to be kind. I'm not just going to pray for them to change, but I'm going to pray for their blessing. And I'm really going to press into those relationships. Yeah. Ben Gallant, who used to be here before it moved to New Zealand, he used to say, there are so many good relationships on the other side of awkward. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Remember so that? So many good friends, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so you just got to push through that. And it, it's like what Ephesians 4.3 says, we're to be eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. 
being eager to, it means you're putting forth effort. Yeah. Last question I have for you on this, Mike, is how should our unity in the local church look different from unity, say, in a workplace or unity on a sports team? Mm. What is it about our unity in the church that is distinctly Christian? Yeah, that's good. So I guess I, I'm, I'm maybe I'm looking at this the wrong way, but I'm thinking like a sports team is always an us against them, right? We're united together and we're against them. They're against us. Whereas we're all part of God's creation and we're united together, but we're still for them. We want, you know what I mean? We want to use each other in strength and unity. You know, that's, you know, we get refreshed every Sunday coming together and corporately worshiping, hearing Bryce preach an amazing message, right? Hear those musicians play that good music and sing together collectively and worship the one true God. And then we go out together and we try to share that love and good news to others. It's not like us versus them. It's like, how can we get them on our team too? Yeah, yeah. That's very well said. Well, you listening to this right now, it could possibly be that you have some hurt feelings towards someone else in the church and you've kind of just decided that's how it's going to be. End of story. Or it might be that you've just isolated yourself a bit and you're not focusing on unity in the church, pressing into those hard relationships, being united with others. Whatever the case may be, whatever you've thought in the past, may God help us all now by his grace to think this way. Mm-hmm.